Good morning, River Ridge. Man, it is so good. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so good to be back here. Golly, Neds. I look around and I see so many faces of folks that I have known for 10, 11 years. You guys welcomed my new bride and I into West Tays. You loved us. You teach us how to be a married couple. You walked through medical school with us. You guys have been family. And so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Zach, and I was the student ministry director here from 2010 to 2014. And I got to be a part of moving into this building and we thought it would be a good idea to make the, the showroom, the old showroom that had all glass walls, the student ministry room. And uh, then we thought it would be a better idea to put a pool table in the middle of that room. So as you can see, there's probably better ideas that have come out of student ministry since I was around. But um, man, to the online crew, thank you for joining us. Thanks for being with us today. It is a real, real privilege. I'm so excited to be here. But before... Um, I came to River Ridge. I grew up in a little place called Wirt County. Anybody know where Wirt County is? All right, some of you studied in eighth grade. Good job, well done. Um, but growing up kind of out in the middle of nowhere, you know, the Rocket Boys were my heroes, right? Like, you know, Homer Hickam and those guys down in coal country shooting rockets and like doing their thing. And then in like 1995, somewhere in there, um, Apollo 13 came out and I was like, oh my gosh, those guys are brilliant. They're geniuses. They like solved all these problems while they're like circling the moon and like had all this stuff. And I was like, all right, that's going to be me. I'm going to work for NASA. I'm going to be the first man on Mars. Like, that's what I'm going for. So much so that when I was in ninth grade, I thought it would be a cool thing to go to space camp. So I went to, I went to NASA's space camp up in Columbus. It was awesome. I was looking around like, oh my gosh, this is, this is gonna be me, like I'm ready. And somewhere around my junior year of high school, a mentor of mine came up and he's like, hey man, um, love NASA, love you, love your dream, but like, did you ever consider that God might have I don't know, like an opinion about what your future holds. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I just figure that's how it works. You do the things you're good at. And he's like, well, no, no, maybe. Like, that might be fine. He's like, but have you ever, like, prayed about it? Have you ever, like, held it before the Lord and said, Dad, what do you want for my life? I was like, no, that's not, nope, not a plan. Um, and so he challenged me. He said, just go for it. Try for it. You know, so first night I, like, kneeled God what do you want me to do and I like, walked out looked at the stars and I was like cool nothing all right so you know like and and again like I don't know I don't know what your journey has been like I don't know what those questions have been like in your life but for me that was the first time in my life that I really asked God to speak and, um, and somebody told me that if you want to hear God speak, you should read his word. And so I was like, okay. So I just started opening the Bible on my own for the very first time. And again, 16, 17-year-old kid kind of stumbling through the dark, but it came to life. Like I was just, just reading whole books of the Bible. Like I would read like three or four chapters in the book of Acts and I would call somebody and be like, hey, did, did you know that people teleported in the Bible? I'm like, what? No, I, just, I keep reading like, oh my gosh, did you know that, did you, you know, like it just came to life for me. And, and I don't know about you, but my brain just whoo, starts going crazy. And so my brain was exploding, my heart was exploding. So I, I started the discipline of journaling, like slowing my brain down enough to like put thoughts on paper. And, and it was this, 
For the first time in my life, my faith became personal. My faith, it was, it was just, it was blowing up inside of me. And, and again, I don't know what your story is. Some of you I've never met before. Um, but in order for today's sermon to make sense, I need you to suspend some disbelief, all right? I know that there might be a conflicting opinions about like, does God speak to us? Well, the title of today's sermon is When God Speaks to Us. So it's not a matter of, of if, but it's a matter of when. And one of the phrases that I got introduced to when I was on staff here at River Ridge was this, they would, I would come to staff meetings and say, hey, let's all stack hands and da da da, da. I'm like, what are we doing? They're like, oh, we stack hands. I'm like, I don't, what? But if you've never played sports or anything, so what they mean is like you, you put your hand in, somebody else put their hand, you stack hands, right? So I want everybody, here's what we're gonna do. I want everybody, even for you online, I want you to put your right hand in the air. Everybody, come on. Everybody, unless you've got a shoulder surgery, which I understand. I want you to reach forward and we're gonna stack hands. And on three, we're gonna say, I believe. All right, you ready? One, two, three. I believe. Here we go. All right, so you just believed that God can speak to you. Okay, so that's what we're, 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 that's the whole basis of today's sermon is that God knows you, loves you, is concerned enough to speak to you. In Psalm 40, the psalmist says, I waited for the Lord and he inclined his ear. He knelt down, he inclined to me and he heard my cry. God sees you, he knows you, he made you, he loves you. So again, it's not a matter of, of if God will speak, but when. And when you feel that nudge, when you feel that, that idea, you have that thought come in your head and you're like, I'm not a good enough person to come up with that on my own. God, was that you, right? When you have that, what do you do? How do you move forward? Let me pray for us before we jump in. Jesus, I am so excited um, to be here this morning with my friends, with my family. And God, you are at work in this place. And I pray that you would use this morning um, to give somebody an idea, to help them take one step, the next step in their journey with you, in their journey of obedience, Lord God. And so, Lord, I, um, we just give you this morning. We trust you. We love you. Holy Spirit, come and, and have your way. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so for the majority of today, we're gonna, we're gonna look at a couple passages. It'll be in the book of Ephesians. And if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, Ephesians is a small letter in the New Testament, six chapters long. You could probably read it during like one episode of Paw Patrol. Like all six chapters, you could do it. Um, but, but Paul is sitting in prison 60, year, 60 A.D., He's writing to this church that he planted in Ephesus. And if you're not familiar with Ephesus, I, go read Acts 19 and you'll see what it was like when Paul first showed up in the town of Ephesus and what God did. And then he started this church and now Paul's writing back to them, all right? And most of Paul's letters, he starts with this really warm welcome, this prayer, this address, this like, hey, I know you, I love you, I'm for you. I wanna speak truth to you, right? Paul's not trying to start a fight. He's trying to encourage folks. And the first scripture we're gonna look at is in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. And it says this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Now, 
First observation. Did you know that your, eye, your heart had eyes? This is it like, I don't know why, but like this, for the, when I was reading this in preparation for this, it just like jumped out to me that like, whoa, he's praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And I think that's interesting because here's the reality. There are truths and experiences that you can have with God only through the eyes of your heart. There are realities that exist in this life that you cannot see with the eyes that are in your head. And so there's this call from Paul to wake up, to stop being consumed in, in screens and distractions and entertainment. And he's saying, wake up. I'll pray that your eyes, the, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Why? so that you may know. So there's something that you're missing. If you spend your whole day distracted, if you spend your whole life seeking out entertainment, seeking satisfaction, seeking yourself, you're missing something. And so there's something that he wants you to know. And he says here that if our heart, if we allow the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, to be awakened, we will know what is the hope of his calling. So if you're taking notes, if you got a little piece of paper, if you're online, you got some scratch notes at home, this is truth number one. Our going, our calling, the thing that Jesus invites us to, our going is rooted in hope. Never before in my lifetime have I had so many conversations with friends who have been overwhelmed, stressed out, worried, anxious, confused, disillusioned, divided, scared, and a lot of them on the edge of just calling it quits, throwing in the towel. I've had friends call me and say, convince me that it's worth waking up tomorrow morning. This is a hard season. And never in my lifetime has, never in my life have we as a church, as a big C church, needed to be ambassadors of hope. And our going, our calling, it, it's gotta be rooted in hope. It's not this sense of obligation. It's not something that, you, it's not a box you check. See, our enemy wants to keep you asleep. He wants to keep you distracted. He wants to keep you locked up in fear and anxiety. And he wants to keep you trapped looking at yourself. He wants to keep your eyes focused elsewhere. He wants to keep you asleep because he knows that when you know the hope of his calling, it starts to change everything. So when you begin to have hope in the morning, when you wake up and you have hope, and when you put your head on the pillow, you look back over the day and you look towards the next day with hope, and you know that it is, is a hope that goes beyond you. You're not just hoping that you have Taco Bell for lunch the next day, or you're hoping that the Taco Bell you had for lunch that day doesn't do something terrible to you. It's not that kind of hope. It's, it's hope that goes past you. It's hope that, hope that the individuals you rub shoulders with get to encounter the love of God. It's hope that the, the truth of God's word would be healing for the people that you share it with. It's hope for a chance, just a chance to let someone know that you believe in them, that there is a God who made them, who loves them. The second truth we see in this, um, in this passage is that our going is, is an invitation. And what I mean by that is when you look at the Greek word that was translated into the English word calling, the Greek word there is klesis. 
And it also, that word klesis means invitation. It's the same word that's used other places in the Bible where it talks about, hey, go out to the streets, invite everyone. It's this idea that there is something already happening and he's inviting you to it. See, growing up for me, when I got to college and even in seminary, there was this like secret club around calling, you know? Oh, and, and people would like try to encourage me. Oh, Zach, God's got a special call in your life. And I was like, I don't know what that means, you know? Or there would somebody come up and be like, hey, what's your calling, brother? I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then people would say, oh, no, my calling is to go to the this and to that. And to, there was this like, it was kind of this sense that like we as the church and like God and Christians, we were like here and he called us like there, like somewhere over there. And over here was like lostness and brokenness and sadness and sorrow and Mordor and darkness, right? And like, and we had to like journey like Sam and Frodo and like march through the miles and the muck and like somehow make our way into the darkness because we've been called, right? So it was this idea like, okay, go, go get them. Good luck, tiger. Let us know how it goes. And it was this, and, and that type of calling, there was this like, I could do it by myself, beat yourself on the chest. Like, come on, like you can do this. But that idea of calling is a really, really lonely one, especially when you get here and you think that that's what calling is. You think that you've been sent to do something all by yourself that nobody else can do. And if you don't do it, it's not gonna happen. And it all rests on you. That's a lot, that's heavy. And that's not what Paul talks about because what Paul talks about is yes, there is this divide between those who are, who are spending eternity in heaven and those who are lost, right? That's a reality that scripture teaches us. But the invitation, the truth that Paul's talking about here is that Jesus is kneeling here saying, hey, come see what I'm doing. Come with me. I'm at work here. You should, look, look, look. I wanna tell you something. I, wanna, I want you to see what I've started and I want you to finish it. Come on. It's an invitation to participate in something supernatural, something outside of yourself. And the, the way that we do that, part of what puts fuel in our tank and winds and wind in our sails is the scripture in Ephesians 2. It says this, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, I love Greek words. I didn't study Greek in seminary. I just read a lot of books written by guys who study Greek. But they tell me that the English word workmanship comes from the, the Greek word poema, which when I see workmanship in English, I think of like something rough, you know, maybe like something that's been shaped, maybe like with a hammer and a chisel or something. And, and I think it, it has that connotation. But the word poema, there's a, there's a, connotation there where it's created with intent, with purpose, but not just purpose to be used, but purpose to be celebrated. It's art, it's beautiful, it's designed, it's, it's knit together, right? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And then it says this, it says we were created for good works, which he prepared beforehand, right? So he made us, he designed us, he grafted us, and we look like this. But in in addition to him designing us, he has created places in this world that you fit. 
He has, way before you existed, he designed you and he decided your, your, your calling. He decided these works and it just, shink, it just slides into place. Because here's the truth number three. Going is pre-made for everyone. And everyone is pre-made for going. Three and four there. So, and I know it seems repetitive, but here's what I'm saying. The idea that God might invite you to participate with him in doing something, the, the going is pre-made for every single one of you. There is not an elite club. It's not for the, the charismatic, the folks who like to talk on stage, the folks who are good at guitar, the guys who are good with sound tech. Like there are tasks and roles for every single human on the planet. And, and, and so those are, there are specific roles that I can't do, that God is gonna call you to do. And in the same way, every single one of you is pre-made, pre-wired to have a purpose, a plan, a destination, the next step. Let me, let me tell you a story about this. So in Malawi, one of the roles that I, I get to do, one of the things I get to do is I get to work with a, a group of volunteers. And this group of volunteers, they're young professionals, they're college kids, and I'm trying to convince them, one, that God loves them, two, that they're not terrible people, but they, that, that God might have something in store for them. And so one of the things we did is I invited them to come to a, a national Young Life Leader training. And it was a party. I mean, we got out of the car, people were like chucking water balloons and it was chaos. And like, I brought three guys and two of the guys were like, woo! And just like took off in the middle of it, grabbed the water balloon and blasted me with it, you know? And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then the third guy, I looked around, he's still in the car. I'm like, okay, like he's just nervous, like whatever. So I just, I didn't like hold his hand or baby him. I'm like, all right, he's a grown man. He can figure this out. So the day goes on and it's more of that. You know, it's, it's intensity here. It's chaos there. It's this, it's that, it's loud, it's noisy. And then at that night at dinner, you know, it was, there was a race. It's like, okay, everybody got your food. Go, you know, it was just, and again, like I looked around and I was like, oh, where's, where'd he go? And I, and I walked outside and he was standing with his back against the wall with his hand on his face like this and there were tears. I said, hey, dude, are you okay? He said, man, I wanted to make you proud. He said, I wanted to be young life. Like I wanted this to be something I could do. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, dude, this is not for me. I'm not loud. I'm not fun. I'm not athletic. Like, this has been miserable. Like, I hate this. And I said, well, hold on a minute. Like, what do you think Young Life is about? Like, what do you think God is, has designed Young Life for? He said, I, I guess I don't know. And I said, well, we're, we're taking the gospel, the good news that there is a God who loves you and made you. And we're, we're hoping to sit across the table from some kid and have a conversation with him and share that with him. And whether you play Frisbee or you do whatever, I was like, and so this chaos often helps to break down some of those walls and have those conversations with kids. And it was, and in that conversation, in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, shut up, Zach. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> and, and so I just asked him a question. I was like, dude, what do you, 
What do you like to do? What did you like to do when you were a high school kid? And he's still just kind of humped over. He's like, I don't know. I played chess. And I was like, okay. I said, do you think there are kids at high school that if they showed up in a bus and they looked around, they would feel just like you? Overwhelmed, scared. I don't do fun. I don't do loud. And maybe if you had a chessboard over at the corner, they would sit and play chess with you. He went, maybe. And I said, dude, the goal is to reach every kid, every kind of kid, every shape of kid, every athletic ability kid, every physical and mental ability of kid. That's the goal. But the kids that are like you, I will scare off. I said, you've got a part, you have a really important role to play here. Like, and I don't know what it is. And he's like, what? You want to play chess with high school kids? I was like, maybe. Why not? And it was in that moment, like, I just put my hand on his shoulder and we prayed. And it was, it was this prayer of like, God, you're bigger than me. Because here's the mistake that I make. And this is just a confession. And if I've done this to you, I just want to apologize. A lot of times in leadership, we feel like our job is to duplicate ourselves. So if I'm training somebody, I want to make you just like me. Well, the problem with that for people with big personalities like me, if I'm trying to mentor someone whose personality is different than mine, I can make them feel like they suck. Oh, can I say suck? Sorry. <laughs> but like, like I can make them feel like this isn't awesome, right? I can make them feel less than awesome. But that, and that's not, and so if I have done that to you, I am sorry. And it was, in those, it was in that moment with Collins that I had to apologize to him. I had to say, hey man, like if I've made you feel less because we're different, that's on me because God has designed you. He has wired you. He's got things for you that I couldn't even touch. And so we prayed and it was in that, during that prayer, you just watched him just go, and he just believed for the first time in his life that God might have intentionally designed him to like chess. And I don't know what you guys are like. I'm sure there's some chess players in the room. I'm sure there's some video game players in the room. I'm sure there's folks who wonder, who, anybody go to space camp? Can I ask that? It's okay. Hey, yes. <laughs> All right. So thank you for validating me. But there are, we are so diverse, right? Like we are a beautiful, diverse community. And that is an awesome thing. But I want to ask you the question of what is something that God has wired you for that would surprise you if you found out God put that desire, God put that skill, God put that interest in you with eternity in mind. Because he did. God doesn't do things on accident. He does things intentionally. Because out there, somewhere, our friends, our folks, our high school kids, our senior citizens, who share your interest? But I, I scare them off, just being honest. There is, there is someone across the street. There is someone in your neighborhood. There might be somebody in this room. It'll be in the lobby later that God might say, hey, go sit with them. Go play chess with them. Go do the, you know, like he might prompt you to do that. Or maybe what is God, maybe there's something he's asking you to learn, to try. And as I'm asking these questions, I challenge you, what is coming to mind right now? Write it down. 
Just put it on paper. And then later, when you're sitting with a friend or with your spouse, say, hey, this came to mind when Zach asked that question. Is that weird? And I go, yeah, but the Holy Spirit likes weird. So like, let's go with that. And this is between you and the Lord, right? But I told you, it's, it's not a matter of, of if God will speak, but when. And maybe your when is right now. Maybe you'll be like me and you pray tonight and you walk out in the stars and you're like, ah. and it's crickets. And that's okay too. God invites you to wait for him because the promise that was true for the psalmist in Psalm 40, when he waited for the Lord and he inclined his ear, he bends down, he listens and he invites you in. He invites you in. So one of the things I love about our, our church in Malawi, so the, the pastor there is Malawi and his name's Yamikani Kalizingoma. Say that three times fast. We just call him Yami, that works. And... Um, but one of the things he asked me to do at the end of every sermon is to give next steps. He's like, hey, we like practical. We like things we can do, right? Um, and so had I preached this sermon three years ago, I would have ended it right there and said, all right, go listen to the Lord, have fun. But I've still got seven minutes left, so I have a present for you, okay? At the bottom of your note sheet is three next steps, all right? The first one is go for a prayer drive. And I mean it, I mean, get in the car and drive and pray as you go. And the first thing you'll learn is that you can pray with your eyes open. That's a good thing, right? That's fine. And the reason that I say this, and, and, and don't go by yourself. Maybe invite somebody with you. Take your spouse, take a friend, take somebody who you're serving with here at church and say, hey, let's go for a drive. So one of the things I do with that team of volunteers I was telling you about is we do prayer drives around the city and we'll roll up to the international schools Sometimes we'll get out of the truck, lay our hands on the gate, and we'll say, Jesus, you know the kids, you know the teachers, let us in. <laughs> Give us green lights and open doors. And we'll drive around the city, pray as we go, and just listen. And here's what's fun about going for a prayer drive, is you just invite the Holy Spirit, hey, come, be with us, show me where to stop, where to pray. Because here's what's fun. When you're driving and you hear the Lord say, pull in, stop, sit, Make a phone call. Because when you're in your car and you've, got, you've blocked off an hour, you can make a phone call. You can send a text after you stop and pull over, right? Don't do that while you're driving. But, but it, it's, a, it's a practice, it's an exercise in listening to the Lord. And as you drive, si drive by somebody's house that you know, pull in their driveway, pray for them. Don't knock on their door. But if they come out and they say, what are you in my driveway for? Hey, I was just out for a prayer drive. Can I pray for you? it will blow people's minds that you're in their driveway praying for them. One of the things that we, one of the times we went for a prayer drive, we pulled up to this international school that one of the guys had graduated from, but none of us had ever been to. And we pulled in and this guard came out like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, crap, like we're gonna get kicked out of here. But he's like, um, are you here for a tour? I was like, yes. We are here for a tour. Could you show us around? So we all piled out of the car, six of us, and he gave us a tour. Here's the science lab. Here's the library. Here's the this. Here's the that. And, and the whole time, we're just putting our, like, 
putting our hands on these buildings. God, give us access. Lord, help us to know these kids. Lord, teach these kids that you love them. Lord, convince these teachers that what they're doing can have eternal impact. And so we're just, we're praying over these things. And then, so I told you about my friend who was nervous and scared and he likes to play chess and he thought that was his only chance at meeting a high school kid. He's a part, he's a part of this group. We're walking around and I'm not making this up. There's a dude walks by with a t-shirt that says Malawi chess. And he was like, ah, did, but, did. you know, like his whole brain just fell on the floor. He's like, Zach, you weren't kidding. Like there is a place for me. And that's what I want so badly for you is for you to be convinced of that thing that Brandon shared earlier. There is a place for you. And sometimes it takes going on a prayer drive to figure that out. Number two, ask for opportunities to serve. Now, the idea of going for a prayer drive and listening to the Holy Spirit might scare the life out of some of you, and that's fair. If you didn't come from a background where like listening to the Holy Spirit was something that you do or that you've learned to do, it can be intimidating and ner- I understand. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize things. But if, if, you're, if, if you think like, hey, that's not really my thing, I, here's, here could be your thing. Just ask. Just say, hey, where could I serve? Where is there a spot? Is there a spot with Ridge Kids? Is there a spot with student ministry? Is there a spot in the band? Is there a spot behind a, a monitor or a camera? How can I serve? And if you ask that question, you'll be put on a team. You will make friends. You'll be, become a part of something. You might even get a cool t-shirt. <laughs> but, but being a part of that team isn't just to check a box. It's not required but it's an incredible opportunity because some of the times that God spoke most clearly to me as I was pouring over the scripture, preparing to teach an eighth grade kid about the Tower of Babel. And I'm like, what is this? What am I even doing here? And God goes, bow. Because serving will turn your life upside down. And it also does something else. It makes you a moving vehicle, which is number three. Be a moving vehicle. Because I don't know how many of you have ever had any success sitting in your car and go, left, if you're not moving, right? A moving vehicle is way easier to steer. See, back in, 20, in 2005 was my first trip to Africa. And I thought for sure that's, I was gonna go there as soon as I finished college. And those of you who know me know that that's not what happened. 2005, we finally, we moved to Malawi in 2019. That is a long time to go, Lord, is it, nope, Lord, how about, nope, Lord, how about, nope, Lord, how about, nope, Lord, how about, nope. But the thing that I had to become convinced of was that idea that was on the horizon was, was a destination, but God wanted to be involved right now. And if you're working towards something, if you're in school or if you're in a job and you've got that something on the horizon that you're working towards or waiting on, well, maybe I'll take that next step then Understand this, it is God's desire to be involved right now. You don't have to wait. He can use you here. And not, he doesn't just wanna use you. He wants you to be with him. Friends, it's been an honor to be with you this morning. I am so excited to see and hear the things that God is doing here. But it is my prayer, it is my hope that we might be a people rooted in hope, anchored in a belief that God knows us, 
that he loves us, that he's designed us. And when God says go, it might be across the room, might be across the street, it might be into the lunchroom of a high school. I don't know, maybe it's across an ocean, but those little things that are stirring right now, lean in, listen, because God is doing incredible things in your midst. Guys, it's a privilege, thank you. I hope to see you in the lobby, hope to see you tonight. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you, you are awesome. Thank you for loving us, for using us, for wanting us, for making us with purpose and intention. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to go on prayer drives, that you would give us courage to ask for opportunities to serve. And you'd help us be moving vehicles, that you would steer us and shape us as we take steps of bold, bold obedience. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. What a gift it was to hear from Zach this morning. Um, and I don't know where you all are at uh, in your faith walk personally, but I hope that you also took that deep breath like the young man, that this calling that we, we sometimes make bigger uh, in our Christian walk is, is actually just obedience. It's Jesus leaning down and he's saying, just come with me. I've designed things inside of you for eternity that I can use in powerful ways. But I need you to say yes. I need you to answer that call when I say go. And so if that's you and you're wondering, how do I take that first step? Uh, we would love to walk alongside you in that. I know that as a staff, we are constantly praying for you all, and we would love for you to join us in those prayers, meet with you, talk with you, and, and figure out what it looks like for you when God says go. And again, uh, Zach said it, but really hope that you can join us tonight as we pray and worship, and, and maybe that's another opportunity for you to submit to what God is doing and, and to ask him, how are you going to ask me to go, God? So it's so good to be with you, and I'm so grateful that you chose to be with us this morning. I hope you all have a great Sunday.